Praise the Lord. That's why we're Christians today. Amen. It's because we have a mighty conqueror. Amen. The Lord Jesus certainly was not the first one to start religions. And he was not the last one. There's been many religions started since he was here. And there's been many denominations that have been started under supposedly the auspices of the Lord Jesus. Last count I had over 13,000 denominations. But yet, we know he never come to start a denomination. He come to build a church. I'm glad we're part of that today, to be a part of the church of the living God. We greet you today in the name of the Lord and privilege for us to be gathered together here today in the house of God. And we believe that our Lord is certainly mindful of all of our needs today. I mean, he has a need in your life, in your home, your body maybe. We want to just uh, open our hearts to him. We know that he ministers to us through the value and the promises of his word. So whatever you need today, he's mindful. Let's read the uh, scriptures we've been reading for several weeks in Ephesians, if you don't mind again. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and chapter 2, and also chapter 5. Ephesians 1, 22. Now listen what he started. This is what he wanted. Uh, his purpose that was in the back part of his mind, as the prophet has told us. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is that. The church is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's what Paul said. Ephesians 2, 6. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Chapter 5, verse 23. Paul uses, of course, a great symbol, parable, to be able to convey to us the love of Christ to the church, and that is the love of a man to his wife. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The Savior of of the body, the Savior of the body. So he come to seek and to save that which was lost, which was what? The body. In that body is the natural gathering together, assemblies all over the world, and then the spiritual, mystical part of that gathering. I mean, let's be remembered today as we pray. You have a need on your heart, a request, just... Hold it there before the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we count it such a great honor that we can be gathered together here once again today, Lord, under the auspices not of a man, not under a 
man-made religion or even a religion father that has been outlived and outdated. We know that Paul, whenever he was under the Jews' religion, he did it with all of his heart. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. But yet, when Paul began to find the light of the Lord Jesus, he identified that which he was in and called it the Jews' religion. Now, it's amazing because we look at it and know at one time that was your way. And then they begin to corrupt it. They begin to add to it, take away from it. And then this prophet was able to identify this move in that day and called it the Jews' religion. Well, we know it's the same way with the term Christianity, that the French have their religion. The Swiss have theirs. The Americans have theirs. The people all over the world have theirs. But we don't want American religion. We don't want German religion. We want the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to just dress a certain way and talk a certain way and be empty people on the inside. But we want to be possessors of the divine inheritance which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Father, I hold in my hand today this handkerchief for Brother Jerry Phillips. You see, Lord, he's having some issues in his body and we're asking you today, Father, that you just move for our brother. You know what it is, Lord? In the name of the Lord Jesus, may the Spirit of God move on his behalf. Speak to us today from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I have to be honest with you today. If I was looking at it and I was going to build a memorial for me, and I was going to build something that would propagate me and continue me, even though I would be long gone from the earth. To be honest, I would have never picked you all. You all probably wouldn't have picked me. I would have never picked humanity because humanity is so flawed. And the best of humans are so flawed and so deeply flawed and have so many scars. And all of us have so much baggage that we carry around, even after we're saved people. We have so many fears, complexes, constantly dealing with all types of anxieties and all types of other things that we really don't like about ourselves and that we wish was not ours to deal with. But yet, the Lord Jesus chose such things to be able to build his long-lasting heritage out of. Now you think, why would he ever do something like that? If you really wanted something to last, and you would want something that would go on in your memory, and in your name, and would propagate you, 
and your theories, your ideology, and all that you stand for, would not you pick out the best of the best of the best that you could find? Would you want people that were so flawed that even those who were going to be called to do it would beg not to? And then you would find those who are chomping at the bits to do it, and they get in the way. And then you've got those that are in the middle that are trying to figure out what they're even here for. And you think, really? This is what you would choose to represent you? Would the Democrats choose such to propagate their party? Would the Republicans... I'm sure if our founding fathers could see a little bit of where our nation is today by our politicians, if Benjamin Franklin, uh, many of these great founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, some of the men that gave all they did for our nation, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, I, I believe they would be very surprised that the instruments that they gave to us, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all these things that they sat down and prayed over. And now, of course, the one that they invited into those great meetings are not even welcome today in our schools and the truth of it is in most of our churches. I wonder if they would recognize America as being the America that they founded? Or would they look at it and say, are you kidding? This is what America has become. This is what we gave you all, and this is what you've done with it, and this is what you all have voted into the White House, and you are letting them take you away from the principles that your fathers fought for, died for, bled for, paid the ultimate price for. I, I, I dare say that many of them would probably think, what has this nation turned into? If Paul Revere was here today and he would hear what is going on in our nation, I guarantee you he'd be riding again. But he'd be riding against the White House now. He'd be riding against the governors and the mayors and a lot of the politicians because they're some of the biggest liars and deceivers that they are. Well, I'm gonna preach with or without you. Just makes it look better in heaven if you say amen. They would not even recognize our nation and you think our nation itself not really been here that long. And look at what we have allowed it to become. I mean, it's because the majority of the people, uh, this is what they want. And then you look at the tendency then of humanity that would come into Christianity. So if Peter, James, John, Paul, Bartholomew, Sadius, uh, Arrhenius, Polycarp, many of those men of what they gave their lives for the gospel, and if they would walk into a Catholic church today and they would see the priest up there dressed like a woman and all of his big long robes 
and saying all that rigmarole that they do and taking that little round piece of bread made in the symbol of the moon goddess and they would watch them bless that and with their prayer in Latin and hear them, and if you haven't ever heard it, I have, and were that they, by the power of transubstantiation, change that piece of bread into the literal body of the Lord Jesus, and when they take that and drink the wine, that they are literally eating the body and drinking the blood. I wonder if Peter would say, amen. Or if he'd say, you false prophet, you. You liar and deceiver of men. Well, praise the Lord. I wonder if the Baptists would stand up and preach or the Methodists or the Church of God or even some of the message people and some of the nonsense that they preach and believe. If Peter would say amen, he would not because it's contrary to what he said initially. So he couldn't stand up. And yet the Lord Jesus knew that by calling human beings, he knew the tendency of human beings that it is their nature after they have something for a while to let the preciousness and the value of that become common and they become complacent with it and it becomes, well, you know, whatever. And that they just get that attitude and they tend to put it over on a shelf and they tend to get other things to replace it. Now he knew all of that. He knew there would be preachers that would rise up and they would cause people to follow after them and they would rather that they would follow preachers than follow Jesus. He knew there would be men, Paul even said there's men of your own selves that have raised up and he said they're trying to get people to follow after them. He knew that. Acts chapter 20 verse 28, he tells us that they would come and yet the Lord Jesus in spite of all of that, he chose to call human beings, fill them with the Holy Ghost and give them to propagate his kingdom for 2,000 years. Now, needless to say, he sees things about the human part that we do not see because he knows that it's in the tendency of human nature to fall after flattery. He knows it's in the human nature uh, to want to be praised and uh, loved and lifted up, to be honest. The prophet tells us in question and answers 1959 that God has a hard time getting a man, according to you Wednesday night, that whenever he goes to using him, he wants to be an angel or a God before the people. But the more God, if he can find a man, the more God uses him, the more he uses him, the little he gets. Then that's the kind of people that God looks for. But well, you say, why would he do it? Because of his nature being so great that he wants to use the weakest. He wants to use even sometimes the most foolish means. Now, those of you that come to church today to hear a preacher, and you've come and you believe in God's gonna speak to you, it is one of the most foolish things that God ever chose preaching by the foolishness of preaching well you can see why that a lot of folks don't believe in preaching because it humiliates them 
Almighty said under a preacher and a preacher to tell them don't do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't go that and love one another and do this and don't do that. They say, my goodness, what difference does it make? I can just stay home and turn on a tape or I can sit home and read my Bible. Why in the world do I need to go to church for to be made a fool out of? After all, if I've been made a fool out of, why shouldn't you be? So for those who sing that preaching is this great, great thing all mine, and it is a great thing in the sense of God choosing it, but in reality, it is a very foolish tool that God chose to use. But when you look at it, that's the way God does, that God uses such simple things to profound the wise and absolutely overwhelm them. Now, if Brother Branham would have come in this day and God would have chosen a man to be Elijah, the Malachi 4 anointing, and the Revelation 10 angel and all of that, and it had been some great graduate from Hartford or Yale or Bob Jones University, and he would be able to stand up and speak them great old big long words, and most of us not even know what it meant, much less know how to repeat it. And yet the world would have thought it's so wonderful and he would have never blasted the people for the way they lived and the way they done, and yet it had all the signs and the supernatural, while they'd have called him up to the White House and they'd let him done this and that and the other and they'd give him great dinners and so on, is that right? Well that's the way they've done Billy Graham and that's the way they've done others, but instead God chose a little insignificant, ignorant by the way the world would look at it, hillbilly boy that was raised up down in Kentucky that never finished high school, he never had no degree, but yet God called him to have the greatest message that's ever been on the earth. Why? He chose the simple things of the world to confound the wise. Now you realize that as we go on in time and a lot of us become more educated and more smart and the truth of it is a lot more of our people are getting more degrees. We're getting degrees in all types of different things and our kids are getting smarter and smarter. I'm not necessarily against that unless they go to think in their head overpowers their heart. You see, myself, I would rather be a person of the heart than I would of the head. Since Malachi 4 is not going to turn our head, but turn our hearts. And we realize that we're raising up a generation of our young people in and around the message, and they're becoming more head-oriented. And they got to figure it out. They've got to reason it. And you know, whenever they hear something that messes up the head, it messes up with everything they believe. But if you get this word in your heart, it don't make no difference what comes through this scatterbrained up here. It'll never change the revelation down in your heart. Malachi 4 was to turn our hearts back to the faith of the original apostolic fathers. And then the Lord, instead of stopping this foolishness of preaching, once he got the mechanics of tapes and the machinery of tape recorders, instead of God saying, now I had preaching for a time lapse and no longer really do we need preaching, but now that we've got tapes and we're able to hear it straight from the prophet, I'm gonna do away with this foolishness of preaching well, no, I'm sorry. I hate to break you in on something, but every time you turn on one of Brother Random's tapes, you're still hearing the foolishness of preaching. 
It doesn't make any difference which fold of the ministry that it comes through. The foolishness of preaching is not just through a pastor, it's through a pastor and an evangelist and a teacher and a prophet. Well, come on now. The Lord Jesus actually allowed himself to be used in this foolish administration of preaching the gospel. Well, come on now, don't look at me funny. He humbled himself to this channel of preaching because he wanted to show the example. So on this, he built his church. Now his church is the very epitome, it's the very heartbeat of heaven. He loves his church more than anything else in the universe. It was his church that he came to the earth for. And there will be people, of course, that will be able to be saved because they believe this add-on aspect of the gospel and he will allow them to come in out of the pawn shop if they so want to. But really his main purpose was those tickets that he had in his hand before the foundation of the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But we know then that his desire was for his church, his body to take his message and propagate that message right down to the end time. Now he knew some of them would get messed up. Some of them would fall toward organization. He knew some of them would get messed up in their marriage and some of them would be married two or three times, three or four times. He knew some of them would be messed up in their theology. They'd be messed up in this and that and the other. But there's absolutely nothing they would ever do in time that would ever be able to mess up that seed life inside of their soul. Now brother, that ought to give you something to shout about. Every one of us were so goofed up in one way or another, but aren't you glad that your mess ups of life does not override the sovereignty of Almighty God? Now, sometimes we look at it in a way and we think, well, I don't know why in the world God would ever say that man or that woman, look at them, they're this and that and the other. Well, he does it because he knows his own. And you and I look at the embodiment, the prison that they're held, and we think, my, that's a permanent mark. No, it's not a permanent mark. It's only a mark as long as time holds. But the seed inside of them is beyond time. But we focus so much on the body and on the outside and on the past and on the former sin. Well, so-and-so, they done this and that and the other. Well, I don't figure there's none of us here today that's got too much to brag about. I ain't afraid to look up my family tree, afraid I'll find monkeys and chimpanzees. It's all them human beings that I know of that's on both sides of my family. Well, come on now, don't sit there and look at me like you all come from some royal lineage. You come from a bunch of dirt bags just like I did. Oh my, I have nothing to brag out on, on my mother's side of Schultz. I have nothing to brag about on my daddy's side from the Reagans. But there's only one thing that I can give praise and glory to today, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in that God knew, this is the marvel of it to me, that God knew that the human beings would do all these things down through the ages, but yet God chose humanity in order to reproduce himself. 
Now, why wouldn't he choose a bunch of angels? Or why wouldn't he choose some type of foreign alien that he'd be able to create? And they would come down on the earth and they'd be here on the earth, but they would be so far above human beings and so far above the, you know, the natural things of the earth, they would be able to carry his word without fault, without mistake. That was not the way he chose to redeem man. He wanted to become a part of man himself. He was going to use angels to redeem man. He would have come in his own theophanic appearance. He would have never needed to be born of a virgin, but he needed to come as a human being himself. Why? This shows the channel that he's going to choose to replicate his name and his word burst on those that carry the seed. I know we probably still don't understand that. I'm sure I don't. But somehow the seed comes through the body. Now, you and I cannot be able to make someone be born again, but the seed passes through our lips and through us by the anointed word of God and we actually can help lead them to a new birth. And this is the mystery of how the seed passes through the body itself. And a person can read the Bible. They can be able to read a message book or hear a message tape, but it still takes the spirit of God to go down in their hearts and produce a burst. You can say here today and say amen, amen, amen. But yet you've got to be born of the spirit of God. Then you become all also a carrier of the seed life of Christ. Now this is what his church was. So this is all these wonderful scriptures here that Paul is trying to get the first church age and each successive age thereafter to understand their place on the earth. Friends, we're not here just to make a living. You're not here just to have a family, uh, to pick out a girlfriend and then you all get married and then you have kids and then you get old and you have grandkids and then you retire and sit on your front porch and sit there and rock out there and then they bury you and then you all goes on and on and on. Your purpose in life is much more than your job. Your purpose in life is much more than being a husband or a wife. That's wonderful. It's much more than coming here to church. You are called and ordained of God to be able to share his life and his light in the little portion of the kingdom of God that God puts you. Oh, you say, but I'm nobody. I don't preach. I don't get up there and sing. Don't tell me you're not nobody. If God calls you to be a part of this body of Christ and the body of this local assembly here, you are important to God and you have value but I'm not a deacon I'm not a trustee I understand that we only need so many of them but we need you as a brother as a sister as a young person to be in the body of what the Lord Jesus called you to be is that right? Now in that, you know, God loves diversity. And I, I, I was telling Brother J.D. before church, I think about it sometimes and I wonder what it's gonna be like in the eighth day when we get into the new kingdom, whenever we've all moved into those glorified bodies, both bride, 144,000, the Jews of the Old Testament, and then also those that are granted eternal life. When we all move into that realm of bodies that will never age and never sit. Now, even though the foolish virgin will not be bride. They will be allowed to move in by eternal life into a body that'll never age. So it's not like that the bride will be in the city and the bride will be young forever and all those other people will be aging on the outside. No, that's the millennium. That's not the eighth day. And when we all get there, we will not all have the same hair color or same eye color and we will be different somehow, but the differences that are in us now that make us clash, all of those things will be changed and be gone. Ain't that wonderful? 
Can you imagine a place that you're there for eternity? Nobody's ever said. I mean, not one day will anybody ever get up and stir around and be tired and be weary, have a headache, a backache, whatever it is. Nobody will ever even feel one little moment of sadness or heaviness or anything on them. Never. It'll never be there. Oh, Lord, hasten the day. And yet, how are we going to get there? You're talking about people like me and you that walked in this life and we struggle with sickness and fear and anxiety and trauma and all kinds of things in the age we live. And yet God chose us as God chose our predecessors. Thank God for those who have gone before us. Thank God for a prophet in this age that was willing to bear the reproach of the word and not compromise. Don't you understand what a gift that the prophet had in his life if he would have sold it out to the world and have compromised and not preached this and preached that. Oh, what he could have been great in the eyes of the world. Don't you thank God that he stayed right on the straight and narrow path? Thank God for those men that followed after him that stayed true. Thank God if there is another generation, I cannot see that there will be, but if there is another generation, may we hand something down to that following generation that they will be able to one day say, thank God for pastors, thank God for deacons, thank God for mamas and daddies that gave us the truth, that stood for the truth, and they would not compromise. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me, because it was those before us that made a way for us. For those of you who are part of this church of the original church, only a few left, I suppose, but thank God for those founding fathers even of this original church. Thank God for those who stood here for what they knew was the truth. They made a way for us. Is that right? Some of them would probably be overwhelmed to hear where the word is moved up to in the day that we're here, but we could not be here had they not come and made a way for us. May it be the same way today, brother, sister, that we also are preparing. Well, brother Donnie, what if he comes tomorrow? If he comes tomorrow, praise God. I'm gonna lay the path for whoever follows after me and you're gonna do the same thing because that's what we do. You see, Peter, James, and John, they went into the place that we call death and they had that newness of life and they was looking under anticipation for the coming of the Lord every day. When the resurrection comes, they they will raise up with that same anticipation. It will be just like they took a little nap and they will get up saying, is he coming today? I say, yeah, today's the day. Because their body got up out of the ground, praise God, and they will raise with that same freshness. Oh, may I do the same thing. Now, you know, it makes it difficult because God in the body chooses to exalt some above others. Now for humans, this is tough stuff. God creates in degrees. We know he did that by angels, cherubims, seraphims, zunes, archangels. And God also creates humans by degrees. And God sends gifts in the body by degrees. Oh my. Notice this in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. I want you to notice now that Paul does not say when one member is honored that all the rest of them are honored with it. 
But he says one member may be honored and the rest of them, because they're born again, they are not struggling with jealousy. They are not struggling with, that should have been me. I I could have done that. I I wish I was that. No, but instead, they're able by the grace of God to recognize the diversity in the body. And when they see someone honored by God above them, they're able to rejoice in that honor. Now you see, for many, they look at that and they think, well, it ain't right. I'll tell you one thing. I'll all these preachers going around and preaching these meetings. I wish to goodness them preachers and pastors would stay home so us little old evangelists could go out and preach somewhere. Look, friend, yeah, you know, I don't know of any of these pastors that are called to preach conventions that are asking to preach them. I don't know any of them that's, that's asking, would you call me Would you call me to come and preach this convention? I've never asked anybody to preach in the convention for them. I've never called and asked anybody to come and let me preach in their church. But if God will call certain men in a certain capacity to do a certain thing, then what should the rest of the body do? The rest of the body should be able to praise God for it because the greater gifts that a man would have in his life or in his ministry, it only simply means that the body will be greater blessed by that gift. But we tend to look at it as in comparison. Well, he's got a bigger church and you know he, he draws more of a crowd. More people hear his YouTube videos, take my word for it, that ain't always a blessing. Huh. Well, I'll tell you one thing, he got so many hits. Yeah, yeah, that's just the hits you're seeing on YouTube. You ought to see the other hits he gets. You think that's really something you want to be famous? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, brother, sister. If it was left up to all the leading servants of God around the world that you would identify as being famous, most of them would rather be nobodies, little known, just off in a place by themselves where nobody knew them because with that comes a tremendous price. It's the same way with musicians or singers or whatever more that it is in the body. You see, God will at times set some in a higher place, a higher position. Now we know that Lucifer had this actually in the beginning. He was given at the position of the right hand and he was the one who stopped the approach. And God said this, of course, in Isaiah, thou art the anointed cherub and I have set thee so. So the word there is that he stopped the approach. So when lesser angels of degree, created degree, come up to the throne of God, Lucifer in his original state, he would stop them angels because he was one of the highest angels that God had made. And God set him so. And then what happened to him was that he got jealous in his heart because he was not happy being there. He wanted to be God or he wanted to have God's place. So he wanted to be above that which he was created and supplied the ability to work for. Oh my. And it can be the same way inside of ministry or inside a church body. It can be the same way in a local body and also the same way in a mystical body of Christ. Some are given more of the riches of God's grace. They're given an abundant inheritance of an understanding of the word. And they can't help it. It's just they're sitting there reading and they're studying and all of a sudden the spirit of God would just take the scripture and the prophet's message and give them a salt and they go to studying and put it together and man, it's just like it falls in their lap right straight out of heaven. And others will look at that and they think, I wish I had that. 
I wish I could preach that way. But if they don't look at it in the right way, a little bit of jealousy will start in their heart. Same way with singers, songwriters. Where do you figure most of the songs that come from? Peace in the Valley, The Anchor Holes, a lot of things that we sing that are so encouraging. You think those songs were born out of the officer being on a mountain? You think those songs, it is well with my soul, was born with the altar on a mountaintop? I ain't gonna go into the history of it, but you know it very well. It was out of sorrow and anxiety and death and much persecution and so on as attributed to a lot of these things. Look at some of the great sermons that we've been so blessed by, by the men of God that have come our way and, and different ones that we've heard. What was it born out of? It was born many times out of a personal test that a man is going through him himself and it is so deep that it looks like he'll never come out of it. But while he is there, the Spirit of God strikes his heart and gives him the inspiration and bursts out of that trial. He'll preach a sermon that may go around and around the world and will change thousands and thousands of lives and may actually outlive him. Now think of it. We have that type of a message. The message that God gave to us, thank God, for tape recorders by which they was able to record them. And the tapes themselves have outlived the human ministry of the prophet of God who brought it. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we've been able to hear the voice of our messenger? We are the only ones this age that once the messenger passed away, grandchildren and on and on and on are able to hear that same voice and hear it the same way that those that were sitting there in the tabernacle heard it. And yet God gifted our prophet greater than any other Gentile. Gifted him greater. Is that right, Brother West? Gifted him. But yet any true servant of God in the message does not want to be Brother Branham. They do not even want to replace Brother Branham. They simply want to find their slot in the economy of God and be exactly what God made them to be. Is that right? Is that what each one of you want today? But yet when it comes to the honor, you see God will honor some in a spiritual means and he will attribute a great understanding, maybe of wisdom, of knowledge, of of an ability to preach with some. He gives them a great gift of faith and they're able to pray for people and my, they have testimony after testimony of the sick that are healed. And it's not that man, it's not that individual, it's the grace of God. And what is he given to that individual for? So that that individual can get himself out of the way and the body will be benefited by it. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. We've got one of the brothers that come right here at our church. I'm talking about Brother Darrell. Brother Darrell has prayed for people around this world. You're gonna be surprised at the day of judgment whenever we stand there and see what God has done through our brother. The miracles that God has done and the things that went on with it. You don't hardly hear him say anything about it. He just wants the glory to go to the Lord and I do too. But I want you to understand why God does that. It's not so that Brother Darrell could be heralded as some great person and we all rally around Brother Darrell. We wanna rally around the Lord Jesus. But we do want to thank God for every gift that he puts among us. Is that right? And honor the position and not let jealousy fill our hearts. 
Is this for some of you people on the internet? Because now I know these little sweet darlings out here don't need that. You see, even with a gift of being able to get yourself out of the way, which is what a gift is, Brother Bam said it's sort of like a knife. And you take that knife and you cut and slice and you're able to get yourself out of the way. See, whenever he first started out, you know, it was like he was trying to learn how to swim. Like a little boy and he said, but then as you learn how to flow with it, the more graceful becomes the strokes. Then you can swim and you learn how to breathe and you learn the rhythm. And you learn to sort, of course, it's called the Arcadian rhythm in your body, which y'all are feeling this morning since we changed our clocks. That's why we don't quite feel right this morning. But it's because our bodies have this rhythm in it. And it'll take us a few weeks to kind of, you know, change this body clock. And it's the same in the body of Christ that God places different ones in the body to do different things. And he knew in all of their weakness and all their humanity, but he chose to use them. Some will be blessed, maybe more financially than others. Some will be given so many wonderful blessings and others may sit around them and say, Lord, why why, why didn't you, would you forget about me? Lord, don't you know where I live? I struggle with this and I struggle with that. And Lord, look at them. Look at that. Children, don't sit here and look at me. Y'all pardon me for a few minutes. Now you little darlings. You good little darlings, you. Don't sit there and act like that. That ain't went through your mind one time or another. Well, how come the Lord, I wish I could be like this and I wish I could be like that and I don't understand why the Lord. So I guess it wasn't for you all after all. You see, to share in the honor, the word that Paul used and much of the New Testament writers for the word glory is the word doxa. And it's a word that means splendor and emanating something from the presence of God. And no doubt many of you laity will never be able to enter into that doxa that God has given to even some of his ministers. I will never, never enter into that element of doxa that Brother Branham had or other great men of God, much less a prophet. But what I want to do is to go as far as God wants me to go be in that reach my full capacity of whatever that is and never be jealous of another man. No matter how much more doxa he may have than myself, no matter how much more that God may use him, God may give him a large measure of faith and God may limit my measure of faith that I will see miracles and I will see healings in my ministry but they will never be what this man is or that man is. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me this morning. But I want to be so included in the body of God and my mind reaching spiritual maturity in my soul that I'm able to realize I have no right to be jealous. I have no reason to be jealous because the Father gifted that man above me or gave him more understanding or gave him more faith or maybe a greater conception of the Godhead or this or that or the other, whatever it is, because I realized that was not given to that man to make him feel bigger, look bigger, or act bigger. It was given for the body. Oh, praise God. 
You see, some men are giving a, a larger measure of light on certain subjects. I, I've heard brothers preach on predestination or say the Godhead or anything. Wow, where in the world will they get that at? Where in the world? I wish I understood it that way. Man, I wish I'd understood it that way. And then I hear some of them as I was a couple of my buddies not long ago and they said, Brother Donnie, that certain them sermons you preached on the Godhead. Absolutely phenomenal. I said, really? I thought, wow. Phenomenal? Me preach something phenomenal? That had to be a miracle. I mean, you're talking about one of the most foolish of the foolish clan, it's me. And I have no problem in acknowledging that, but I think, well, praise the Lord. You mean something I preach could be a blessing to some of these great big old guys? Well, hallelujah. So I guess God can take a little Tonka toy and be able to pick up a little scoop full of dirt. And here I am sitting up looking at them big ukes, you know, and they're hauling all this great big load of dirt and this and that and the other. But each one of us have our place in the body of Christ. Well, praise the Lord. Now let me just give you a simple analogy this morning. I like Gatorade every now and then. But I'm so glad that when Brother Louie brought this out this morning that there are different sizes of containers. Now a symbolful would have barely, barely even wet my voice. Oh, but at the same time, I wouldn't want a five-gallon bucket, and I certainly wouldn't want a 55-gallon drum, or I wouldn't want a tanker sitting out there and me have a big siphon hose hooked up to my mouth, and that big siphon hose coming out of there and say, what's Brother, what Brother Donnie do today? He drank Gatorade out of that tanker sitting out there. That's all we got out of the service. But you see, man has made different sized containers for different specific uses. So in our English terms, we still go by the way of ounces, and you've got an eight-ounce glass, 16 ounce glass, 20, 24, and then bottles, you've got different sizes of that. What's it for? Depending on what you're needing it for. Well, I'm glad that we have smaller sizes of Gatorade because as you know, sometimes I drink them and sometimes I don't, but whenever I do open it up, if I just drink half, if this was a 48 ounce, look how much would be wasted. Look how much would be poured out because I know ain't none of you gonna drink after me and guess what? I ain't gonna drink after me either. If I drink part of it, I'm throwing the rest of it away. And the Lord knows exactly how to make each of us in our spiritual capacity to where we're able to take in so much. That's why the prophet said, even in the length of a sermon, he said some people fill up short and some people fill up long. Now, I guess if your whole congregation is long fillers, you can preach longer than I did. But we got a mixture here. Some fill up short, some fill up extra short, some fill up extra, extra short, and then we got some that fill up long. And then so I try my best to be able to strike a balance between you long fillers and short fillers to where you're able to endure and be able to get what you need from the service. But in that, God gets this among the body. What for? Not for the benefit of the preacher, not that people can look at the preacher, oh, what a man of God, oh, what a man of God. But they're able to say, that man of God was sent for me. That gift in that man's life was for me. Do you believe that? Oh, my. Notice this. Paul, when he deals with this, he's talking about 
the presence of Christ, which is his omnipresence and omnipotence, and he would give that into the body, and the body would be able to administer. Now, having traveled around the world, by the grace of God, I say that, and meeting different cultures and different types of people, going in India and seeing the different languages and cultures there, and seeing that whenever you have them, for me to go among them, oh, sure, I've been there and I've preached to them, and we had some good meetings. I had an interpreter here and one here, if you can imagine that and they had about five or six out there so they're all trying to interpret and trying to keep up and I'm trying to keep up with them uh, but yet every one of them having their own language and their own culture and their own way can you imagine me a Tennessean trying to go there and trying to adapt to their way so the prophet said God calls each to his own well that's exactly what he himself must become he must become his own so God sent himself his each to his own in order to be able to relate to us. So not angels, not these holy, holy, righteous beings that would never fall short of the glory of God, but we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. How many's got infirmities? Weakness, sickness, oh my. Well, why did God do that? Knowing that we would be left in this mortality. What's this in oneness with God? The prophet says it this way. By one spirit, we're all baptized, individually baptized rather, into the one body collectively. So everybody here today that's got the Holy Ghost, you had your own personal private baptism of the Holy Ghost but you were baptized collectively with all the rest of us. Notice it, the body of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ living with his spirit in our flesh serving the church. Wow. Friend, when you look at it like this, you think it makes perfect sense. He could not have chose a better means well, you say, but we're so, well, you just got to tell us we're all so low down and so weak and we can't do it. Exactly. So what does he want to do? He wants himself to get in us. Then it will be himself in us continuing his work. You see, that's why those that believe only on the mystical aspect of the body, they totally miss the other aspect of the natural assembly. Oh my. Notice again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. So you're not just a member of Christ, but you're a member of me. I'm a member of you. You're a member with this one, that one, that one. This is why we need one another. Well, I can stay home and be just as good a Christian. According to the prophets, you say you believe you can't. As a matter of fact, the prophet of God said, if you don't have a home church, you'll die spiritually. You do what you want to with that. Notice again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit 
Are we all baptized into one body? Now, I'm going to say it this way so you'll clearly understand it. Every church of God, every apostolic, every oneness, every Catholic, every Episcopalian, every member around the world that's truly baptized into the body of Christ by the new birth of the word of the hour, they are our brothers and sisters. If they're just a member of a church now, I didn't say that. But if they are baptized by the word birth of the age into the body, they will go on the rapture. But if they just have a church membership, they will go into the tribulation period. Now notice, Paul says it's not by signing a book. It's not by joining a creed or a membership. That's not the way he said we got into it. But by one spirit, we're all baptized. And who's the only one that can baptize you into the body? The Spirit of God. And this is why he searches people and he looks at people and says, no, they're still smoking. No, they're still drinking. This one's doing this. This one's doing that. I ain't going to seal them into the body. If God seals one person into the body smoking cigarettes whenever they walk down streets of gold, they'll be puffing on the camels right down the streets of gold. Why? That was sealed in them. If God seals one person that's got adultery in their soul, it'll be right there for eternity. That's why we gotta die and be born again. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all made to drink into one spirit. What a strange way to put it. And we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Now notice how the body is likened to food and drink. Remember the Lord Jesus saying, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But whosoever eateth of my flesh and drinketh of my blood have life. So here he takes the chemistry, seem like the chemistry of the body and the natural chemistry of the blood and likens it to a spiritual food and a spiritual drink. Oh. So this is the way that we get immersed into the body by the Spirit of God. And whenever we are baptized into the body, we start drinking. Well, praise the Lord. We start drinking from the living water that is in our own soul. Now, friends, I love revivals, but I'll tell you one thing. I ain't waiting for the next meeting to strike in Louisiana in order for me to be able to go get a fresh drink of water. I'm not waiting for, oh, Lord, when's the next camp meeting going on? Oh, my goodness, we're going into a wintertime. It's a lull. We can't have no more youth camps. So what are you youth going to do? Y'all just going to sit here like a bunch of sticks and not do anything until the next youth camp comes around? Or have you all realized that you have got a well on the inside of you? And when you get around other youths and youth camps, oh yes, it invigorates you, it inspires you, it does something for you. But if that's the only time you get fired up, you need the Holy Ghost. If the only time you folks get fired up is when Brother Tim Burdett comes or Brother Ron Spencer or some special preacher like that, I'll tell you, you need the Holy Ghost today. But what you need is to be able to be baptized into the fountain itself. That way in the wintertime when there ain't no camps going on, you still got water. Oh, in the middle of COVID, you still got water. In the middle of trouble, you still got water. Why? Because you've been baptized into the fountain itself. I found this this morning, which you listen to this in Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, 
with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Praise God. With joy you'll draw water out of the wells of salvation. Notice St. John 4.10. Jesus answered and said unto her, the woman at the well, if thou knowest, knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So this is not a cistern then. How many of y'all know what a cistern is? Bless y'all's hearts. You know what a cistern is. Well, for those of you that don't, let me just give you a little clue. Whenever me and Harry was boys, we didn't have fresh running water. We had a cistern. And there was a big old hole dug down on the earth. Every now and then, that hole would have to be plastered. Since I was the oldest, I got to do it. Now, whenever we would pump out as much water as possible, And then I would get down in that cistern. And then I would start plastering it. There were salamanders down in there. You know what a salamander is? There were spiders, lizards, all kinds of things coming to the cistern. It didn't smell good. Well, praise the Lord. I can still remember yesterday, the last time that I'd done it. Actually, it wasn't, a, it wasn't too often many years. I was a teenager that I'd started doing it the last time. And we had an old well over there, but we just had a bucket. And that was the water that we drank. But we'd take a bath. You can imagine how we smell. We'd take a bath out of the cistern water. I'll tell you one thing, brother. I was so filthy spiritually. I don't need a cistern from a denomination to wash me. I need some good bath water. Aren't you glad you still got some good bath water? Now, whenever we would do that, we had one of the most sucker pumps. I mean, knows what that is, sucker pump. Well, an old sucker pump was one that had a handle on it like this. Now, it did not have, a, it was not like a jet pump on the bottom to where you turn it on, it would pump from the bottom, but actually it was by the name a sucker pump. So it had a rubber gasket around it and you would pour water, I mean a song leader, down on the top and then you'd go to doing like this. So you go to pumping it and you're sucking up the water. So I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I, I'm sure the song leaders sometimes feel like that that's what they're doing to some of y'all. But anyway, you pour the water down in there and you get to going and boy, before long, here they come. You, those of you familiar that know the noise that it would make. And it would start making that noise and you'd do it so much that you knew the water's fixing to come out. And whenever it did, there might be mosquito larvae come out of it. There might be all kinds of things that would come out of it, but you just knew not to drink that water. Well, you say, Brother Donnie, uh, you know, I, I like going uh, to some of these uh, churches, you know, well, go ahead. I just be real careful the mosquitoes. I just be really careful of the bug guts and uh, all the other stuff that comes out in there. Well, come on, saints. You see, myself, after having had to deal with an old cistern, and then mom and daddy was able to get along to the FHA. My, my, we thought we had moved uptown, I'm telling you. And they tore that old house down, and they was able to get some real water, a well water, and put a pump down the bottom of that thing. And think of it, we could go in there and slide that little knob on the side, and there's water come out. 
Oh, man, you talking about uptown. I mean, them Reagan Hicks was Hicks then. We were something. You could go over there and take that little hand on the side of that toilet and threw that thing and it flushed. You know why? We had one on the outside. And whenever it was cold, when it was hard, you can imagine dealing with it. And it's the same way spiritually that we all started out drinking this and boy, we drank a gallon of Baptist water and a gallon of Church of God water and a gallon of this water. But one day we found out there was a spring in the land. We found out there was some fresh water that God had provided in every day. We didn't even know that God did that. We saw cistern water was pretty much stuck with that. Well, God used to move and God used to do this and God used to do that. Aren't you glad you found out Hebrews 13, 8 is still alive and well? Notice this in St. John 4, 13, and Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him. So friends, I want to ask you, what's wrong with us? Why is it that we're acting like we're about to run out? We got a thimble, we got a cup, and oh my, oh, oh. What's the matter with our wells today? What's the matter with our message wells? We need to clean them out. We need to pray more. We need to read our Bibles. We need to spend time with God to have that secret place of shut in with God and get your well cleaned out so the water can flow like it did when you first got the Holy Ghost. Oh my, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not depending on my buddy, Brother Tim. I'm not depending on my buddy, Brother Ron. I'm not depending on my buddies around the world to give me a well. I have my own. I have my own. Do I need encouraging? Yes. If it gets all, you know, whatever clouded up and whatever more, I might need some help with it, but I've got my own well. I've got my own pump. I've got my own power. I've got my own switch. I've got my own flow control. Who is it? Jesus to all the above. Oh, my. It will be a well of water. What? You mean it won't be? That was Wednesday, three months ago. That was last Sunday. And we want to blame God. Don't you blame my God for our sorriness and our laziness. It will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Can you imagine? A Niagara Falls in your soul. Some of y'all been to the Niagara Falls? 
quite amazing Victoria Falls in Africa. I've seen some of the largest falls in the world. It's absolutely remarkable, absolutely unbelievable. You just stand there and you just cannot believe such things exist that our Father, and you think, where does all that water come from? And it's been doing this since the creation of the earth. Millions and millions and millions of gallons of, of water coming down to there every day. And Jesus said, the well that I'm going to give you is going to be even better than Niagara. It's going to be better than the Victoria Falls. It's going to be better than any natural falls because those falls one day will dry up whenever the bombs hit this earth and it begins to explode. One day Niagara Falls will totally stop but your well of everlasting life will be brushing right on to the other side oh it ain't no wonder the devil wants to stop us he wants to stop up our joy he wants to stop up our peace he wants to stop up our church life I love this you've heard me quote it so many times St. John 7 37 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Rivers. I've been in Africa and I've seen the Nile, both aspects of the Nile, the Blue Nile and the other. Been near there where it starts. Actually stayed in a hotel room right on the Blue Nile. Ate fish for dinner, caught out of the Blue Nile. But yet the Nile itself is a powerful, wonderful river. But it's not just the Nile, but it's other little rivers that flow into it, that make it what it is. You see, when we cut ourselves off from I don't need nobody, brother, you're heading for chaos. I don't care who you are and how long you've been saved, we need one another. Notice Jesus said, oh my, out of his belly shall flow rivers, rivers, of living water, but not waters. Rivers, but only one water. So, sometimes your river of joy might be running a little low, but your river of peace might be overflowing. And your river of peace, it might get checked and it might get tough sometimes, but then other rivers in your life. So if you've got all of these flowing and they're all ministering to what? To you. So you can be able to minister out to others. Then out of you is coming these rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. I can say today, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in my life. Anybody else? For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Notice again in 1 Corinthians, for the body is not one member, but many, verse 18, but God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. 
So God didn't ask me or ask you, what do you want to be? So God could have taken a piece of dirt, dust, and he started forming and shaping the man out of the same dust that came a toe, came an ear. Out of the same dust that made an ear, made a nose, made kidneys, made lungs, made all the different things about the man. But who was the one to design it to its purpose? Not the man himself, but God. So God shaped, formed. God places in the body as it pleases him. So actually our gifts are not to please us anyway. Well, I, that's not really what I want to be. That's not really what matters actually. Well, I, I would rather be this or I always wanted to be that. That's, that's not That's not the whole picture at all. The picture is that God places them in the body as it pleases him. But I do believe he gives us a pleasing satisfaction if we'll get our will out of the way so we can know that we're in the will of God in what we are doing. Oh my. So the members of the natural body are made, made to be in such a way. So people though, we tend to magnify the sensational. We tend to magnify what we consider is great. And and a lot of believers, they feel very guilty. They feel very guilty. And, And really some of you probably with your mindset today, you are not excited about walking before his throne that day. Because you're scared to death. You'll have no reward. Not that you're afraid you're going to be lost. Many of you have settled that question. But you feel like you're so little, so small, so insignificant. Then when you stand before the Lord, you will stand there red-faced and embarrassed and ashamed. Because you've never done anything, so you think, for God. And you think, oh, oh God, let's Brother Tim and Brother Ron and this brother and that brother and this brother in our church and that sister and all, all, all them people go up first and then let's all the little people like me go in. And whenever I stand there and he looks at me and says, what did you do? What was your name? And you look at people that are so gifted, even laity, gifted above you, and you say, I'm not sure he'll even know me when I get there. What will he even say to me? I've never been able to give a lot of money. I've never been able to do a lot of stuff. I get down to pray, and I pray 15 or 20 minutes, and I just can't think of nothing to say. Anytime you're like that, just text me beforehand. I could help you with that. (laughs) You look at your walk and you see faults and failures. And you see the times you fail. And you see the times that you just think, Lord, why why would you even pay any attention to me? 
And what are you comparing yourself to? Others. Others. Well, look at them. Look at that one. Look at, look at that one. Look at that one. To me, friends, some of the most, oh my, unnoticed, looked over people that there are in the message are ministers' wives. The sacrifice that they make and ministers' families. The sacrifice they make, but yet who gets the honor? The preacher. People look at his gift, look at his ability to pray for the sick. They look at that, look at that, look at that. And oh, but what about all his wives give up and his families give up of time to be with him and this and that. And then people say, I, I hope I'm not near when daddy comes through. Because when daddy comes through, oh goodness. I hope God puts me at the end of the line and lets daddy go through. And all the, all the great people. And then all the rest of us, lower class. Or whether or not you believe it, I'll be in that class with you. Because actually in heaven, there are no upper class, middle class, or lower class. They're all his class. But Brother Donnie, I, I was messed up in my marriage and I, I, I drunk and I, I run around and I done this and that and the other. I'm not even worthy to sit down like, like people like you and Brother Tim, you never drunk and you never smoked. And you, do you think that's what makes us worthy? You think that's what makes us worthy because we never drank, we never smoked? There's only one thing that makes any of us worthy. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think I'm more holy? You think I'm more deserving of the blessings of God because I never smoked? I never committed adultery? I never, had, I never done any of that? You think that makes me more acceptable in the sight of God than you? What makes any of us acceptable is the price that was paid. You see, for those who possess the great gifts and their lives are always in the limelight. They're always noticed. They're always so respected, so looked up to. I'm not sure where you read that, but that's a lie. And you say, oh my, and me, what have I done? You've received his word. You have been born again. You've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you've got that today in your soul, you are one of the few. I'll tell you that right now. Amen. Praise God. But what, what, will I, what, what will I say? What will he, when he asks me, but what will I stand before him? I'll just say, I was a housewife, Jesus. I cooked for my children and my husband. I kept my home, I lived right, and I went to church. I was a woman, I didn't really feel like I should be up there shouting around with Brother Donnie on the platform, so I just kind of smiled every now and then and said amen and praise the Lord. Lord, I tried to raise my children right. You imagine the Lord Jesus looking at the housewives that come out of Laodicea and says, my daughters, oh, you daughters, of Zion. You overcome more than the daughters of Ephesus. 
and the daughters of Smyrna and the daughters of Pergamos. My daughters, you went through it every day of your life. You were ridiculed, you were laughed at, you were made fun of. My daughters, enter into the paradise of God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I hope your brothers don't get mad at me, but Jesus might include these words. As a matter of fact, my daughters, you had more to face than did many of my sons. You had more persecution. Well, come on now. You had to deal with more about your dress and more about your hair and more about this and more about that than many of my sons did. A man wore blue jeans and a t-shirt. Come on. Some of y'all ain't got no hair, so you don't have to worry about wearing it long. Some of you ain't got this and that and the other and say, well, we bear such reproach. Us men don't bear near the reproach our wives do. Do you think that's gonna go unnoticed by our king? You imagine the angels of God when they stand there and the sisters of Laodicea woke up before the throne of God. And the angels would hold their breath as the daughters of God walk in. For you live in the most polluted, vile contempt of all ages. And Almighty God will call you the daughters of Zion. Come in, my daughters. Your husband will reach over and grab a hold to your hand. Now remember, it won't be like wedlock. Oh, you say, Brother Branham, well, I love her then. Oh, he said, yes, you'll love her even more in the resurrection. And it won't be like husband and wife, but she'll be yours and you'll be hers. Truly a marriage made in heaven. For when a man meets a woman and he falls in love with her and he don't know why. And a woman meets a man and she falls in love with him and she don't know why. Hallelujah. There's a creature of eternity that stepped down into a body of time. And one day they'll step back into eternity together again. Us brothers will stand up there. My Lord, how I thank God for a Holy Ghost-filled wife that loves the Lord Jesus. How I thank God for daughters of God that love the Lord Jesus. Sisters, you're going to have a great reward. Oh, maybe you've not cast out devils. You've not healed the sick. You've not raised the dead. Some of you have never even spoken tongues one time. And you say, Lord God, what will I do? Every day you put on your decent clothes, you're living the message of the hour. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Praise God. Praise God. You see, diversity, friends, does not suggest inferiority. Diversity does not suggest that those that feel so small, oh, I'm just so insignificant. Really, it displays the wisdom of God. Diversity. Diversity in talents. Think of how many talents there are. Music talents, singing talents, all kinds, every one of them so different. 
so diverse. Preaching gifts. Every one of us so different from one another. And yet the grace of God takes our lives and lives through us. And by that it displays the diversity of the sovereignty of God. Oh, don't you love him? How many wants to find your place? More than ever before, Brother Wes. Oh, Brother Donnie, ain't you found it? I believe I have. I believe I have. I believe I found my place. But I don't want to just find it. I don't want to get out of it. I want to just walk right where I'm supposed to be. And if it changes a little bit along the way in my journey, I want to be able to flow with the change. There'll come a time if I live long enough and time goes on. Folks won't want to hear me preach no more. One of these days, I'll get my last invitation to be a convention preacher. Brother Tim told me last year he wanted me to come down and preach the youth camp in Louisiana. Of course, we couldn't have it because of COVID, but he said, I'd like for you to preach at least one more time. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I knew I was signing up for Medicare, but I didn't think that was the end of my life. (laughs) One more time. I'm not an idiot. I realize if time goes on, eventually, I'll have to be replaced. Harry's the greatest organ player I've ever heard. My favorite. I'm sorry for all the rest of you that play the organ. But one of these days, if time goes on, Harry won't be able to play it. Brother Larry, these brothers, Brother Louie, my, don't we love Brother Louie? But you know what? Eventually, eventually, we'll all have to be replaced. So what are we going to give to our children? Are you teaching your children the value of coming to church or do you teach them it's okay to go to church, but really if you've got other things that's more important, church ain't really that, that important. We can always archive. We can always stream. It makes no difference really what I tell them. It makes no difference how many quotes I give them. They'll follow your pattern more than they'll follow mine. So what are you giving your children? If they are part of the future generation, if the Lord tarries, and if they're not, we want them, Brother Dow, to be the church of right now. I don't want to put them on hold till we're all dead. I want them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want them to have a desire to do something for God. Praise the Lord. What are we giving them, children? Let's pray together. As elders in this church, those of you that have been around for a long time, what are you passing on to the younger generation? I said, what can I do? Influence them with honesty, integrity. Show them what a faithful member of the body of Christ does. Live your sermon. Be what God called you to be. Lord Jesus, as we stand here today, Father, we know, Lord, that Your ways are so much greater than ours. I still have to say it, Lord, from time to time. I don't know why in the world you ever wanted me to be a preacher. I hear all these other men, I think, Lord, have mercy. 
Why would you ever want me? But God, the only thing I know to do is present myself and make myself available. I realize it won't be too many more settings of the sun. Add another couple years, then five, then ten. If you tarry that long, more wear and tear on my body, my mind, physically, emotionally. I'll get to where I can't take the load like I could when I was younger. And we know, Lord, for all of us, that's the way it's gone, the sequence of time, thousands of years. But I'm hoping and praying we are the generation that's going to break that cycle. But Lord, let me be faithful. I've thought about older ministers older than me and they get to where they can't preach and they, they can't go anymore and they, the church still honors them, of course, and they let them get up and talk and stuff. Oh, Lord. It's something about us. We don't want to get that way. We don't want to get feeble. We don't want to get old. We don't want to get to that spot, Lord. But if we do, help us, I pray that Help me, Lord, Brother Wes, these other ministers here in our church that we're handing something down to our young people. That if there is another generation, something that will burn in their hearts and with fondness in their hearts, if time goes on, they can say, boy, remember how Brother Donnie used to get up there and preach? Remember how Brother Darrell used to get up there? Boy, remember old Brother Ron? Man, he used to get up there and preach. Boy, praise God, it set my soul on fire. Lord God, let us be sowing that type of seeds. Help us, I pray, Father. May each of us find our place. May every one of these here today that feels so small and so insignificant, not only those present, but those that's hearing me speak these words, may they realize you will only require of them of that which you have given to them. You will never require of me, Ron Spencer's ministry. You will never require of me, Brother Branham's ministry. You'll never require of me any other man's, only mine. I'm a steward of what you've given me, a steward of grace, a steward of mysteries, a steward of all that you've placed in my hands. I must answer for that stewardship. Help me to be faithful, Lord God. Oh, Jesus. And where would all of that be if it was not for people to preach to? People to pray for us. People, oh God, say, preach it. Amen, brother. And they wonder what they can do. Help each one of us today, Father, I pray. Mold us, Lord Jesus. Shape us, I pray, Father, that we can be what you've made us to be. Grant it, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. How many of you housewives want to be a better housewife? How many of you mothers want to be a better mother? What about you grandmothers? Want to be a better grandmother? What about you fathers? You want to be a better daddy? a better wife, a better grandpa. Some of you have changed dispensations two or three times. There's people standing here at the church that I married them when they married their wife. 
and now I've married their kids. It's really getting scary if I married their grandkids. <laughs> Look for it, it's passing from us. It's passing from us. And we cannot rewind and relive this life. We must do all that we can do right now, Brother Paul, and be as faithful as we can. But Brother Donnie, we make so many mistakes. I know, but do what I do. At the end of every day, the end of every day, before I close my eyes, no matter how many times I've talked to him during the day, I want to close my eyes with something similar to this. Lord, I pray I've done my best today. And if somehow I've failed you, would you please forgive me? Would you let your mercy be applied to my life before I close my eyes and sleep? In case I don't awake in this life, I'll awake in a new body and I'll have a perpetuation for my shortcomings. And then when I get up in the next morning, I can start that day with the same grace of God. And that night, I'll close my eyes the same way. I begin that cycle daily and I end it in the same way. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? He does not require perfect preachers, perfect laity. He does not require perfect people. He wants forgiven people. Forgiven people. Hallelujah. Make me more like you, Harry. Let's sing it together. How many will let that be that, let that be the prayer of your heart today, Lord. You young people, what are you doing with your life? You're wasting it? You're gonna wait to become 30 or 40? Well, I'm gonna sow my wild oats. And remember, when you're sowing them, you'll reap them for decades. There's many people standing here today that would to God, they could have left out them wild oats and give their hearts and their lives to the Lord Jesus when they're young. Oh, you have so many less thoughts and battles and trauma to deal with because of your past. All of us, young, old, let's give him our all, shall we? Let's sing it together. Make me more like you, Jesus. Sing it for us, Harry. Make me more. Don't let it just be a song. Let it be a prayer. Jesus, you in my flesh, minister to the body. Everybody with all your heart.
desire this morning. Amen. Certainly appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. Let's just sing this little chorus, this joy that I have. Let's sing that this morning as you're dismissed. Amen. Go in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Service Wednesday night. Come expecting, come believing. Amen. How many's got joy this morning? Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this joy that I have. You know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Oh, this love that I have. You know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this love that I have. You know the world didn't give it to me. Love that I have, you know the world.
give it to me. Oh, this joy. 